Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. Hi everyone, I'm Joanna. And I'm Jenny. Welcome to Hyphenated, the podcast about living in the hyphen. This week, for the first time, we have a guest on the show. And it's someone who is very, very, very funny and is a very good friend of mine, which is the only reason she actually agreed to be on this show. <laughs> uh, Sarah Cooper is a comedian and author who went viral, guys, with her Donald Trump lip sync videos. Um, but she is a best-selling author. Uh, she's written How to Be Successful Without Hurting Men's Feelings and 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings. She's the star of her own Netflix special, Everything's Fine, and she's one of the best writers I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. She has been a guest on The Tonight Show, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and Ellen, and we could not be happier to have her here today on Hyphenated. Sarah, welcome. Hi. I didn't realize I was the first guest. I didn't really want to be the first guest, so I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> just see myself out. Is this too well, much pressure for you <laughs> it's too much pressure and also I like to do things that are sort of tried and true and, and mm. already been done so that I don't like you know mess it up for other people because I you know it's just it's setting the bar super high for you guys mm. and um for guests in the future you know I know, I know, Sarah. But, you know, I had to pull my friendship card on you really quick before you became even more famous. <laughs> um, and I'd like to remind you that I haven't pulled out my cancer card yet. So this is one favor. And the next favor is is still it's still up in the air. Okay. I, I just lost a thousand Instagram followers. Thank you so much. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Sarah, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to get you in on this show is because you really are a multi-hyphenate, not only in identity, but also in, in career. You are so many different things. I kind of really want to hear from you what you identify as. Like, who is Sarah Cooper? Sarah Cooper wears Ann Taylor Loft <laughs> every day, all day, every day. Um, I am nothing and no one to everyone. <laughs> no, um, I honestly, I, I, I consider myself beige on the outside and on the inside. I'm an extremely beige person. And I think that's because I'm an immigrant who came here. My family's Jamaican. They're very Jamaican. I was, I was born in Jamaica, but I came here and I was just like, oh, I'm going to be as American as possible because I'm going to fit in. And I was correcting my parents. They, they were like using Jamaican words and Jamaican dialect. And I was like, that's not the proper way to say that, mama. Like I was very, they were very annoyed <laughs> with me, but they brought me here. So what was I supposed to do? Um, and I think because of that, I just became very bland. <laughs> I just like, I wanted to fit in so badly that I just fit in 
everywhere I went to the point where I just didn't stand out very much. And so that has kind of followed me like wherever I go. I'm just kind of like this recovering people pleaser, kind of like trying to like be everything for everybody kind of person. And so when you say like, what do you identify as? It's like, I am, I, I, I'm black. <laughs> you, you, you said black with a question mark. When you fill out a census, are you like black and you add a question mark to it? You add a question mark. I'm like, I check the African-American and then I put a big, like, you know, <laughs> follow up with me. Cause I don't know if I'm allowed to even check this box, but I think I am. Um, because, you know, I, I'm Jamaican American, but the, you know, I, I, people see me and they, they, sometimes they see an Indian woman or a black woman or a mixed race woman or Ethiopian I've gotten before, you know, they see all, usually they see what they are. They're like, oh, you are like me. You look like my daughter. So you must be what she is. Um, mm. and so I don't know. I just, I, I, I've kind of, I wish I could take like a big, bold stand and say this. One thing I do really definitely identify as is a cisgender woman. That is for straight, <laughs> a straight, boring, like, you know, like I'm very ashamed to say I'm attracted to men. I will say that. But sometimes I'm like, you know what, maybe I just conform to society so much. Maybe my heterosexuality is based on me just conforming to society because I didn't want to have like a big disagreement. So you, you, you were always just trying to be the person people wanted you to be. Yeah. But that's, I mean, is that, is that the case now? Is that still the case? Um, I'm starting to like very recently, probably within the last few years, um, learn my, learn about myself and be like, oh, I actually love this, or I really like Mm -hmm. this, or I have an opinion on this. And so it's, that has been, that's been really cool. I feel like, I feel like the older I get, I think by the time I'm 50, I'll know who I am. You know, I think that's my goal. It, isn't it funny that there's all these coming of age stories of like people in their teens? I'm like, can mm. we get a coming of age story of, of like someone in their 40s, please? Like, I think about that a- all the time because you, a lot of people come of age in their 30s and 40s. I mean, I I almost think that's what happened to me too. I was I'm a hardcore people pleaser, and I'm still working on that. But even though I was born and raised in Miami and embedded in the culture, I did try to change who I was and how I talked and how I dressed to appease the masses in Miami. And I'm, it took me a while to realize that's not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so hard. It's so hard to like realize what, what is you versus what is you trying to make others happy. Which I think for, for comedy, you know, so much of comedy is point of view which is inherently identity, right? A lot of what you're saying really resonates with me because when I started doing comedy, um, I ignored my identity because I did not look like what people perceived a Venezuelan to look like. Um, I guess I look like a Jewish person, but like uh, <laughs> my identity is is complicated for people to just get from looking at me. And I literally stifled who I was for the first few years of my career. Cause I was like, I can't explain it. There's too many caveats to, to preface every joke. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'd go to stand up. So it's like, hi everyone. Okay, here we go. I'm from Venezuela. I know I look good. I look like a barmaid. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, my last <laughs> name is Hausman. It's because I'm Jewish, not because I'm a Nazi. I know there's a lot of Nazis in Argentina. Those are at me. I'm it's like, I I have mm. to do a whole monologue before I get to the freaking punchline. It's so true. I, I I think about this a lot with like why why there's so many like white male comedians is is because they're just sort of seen as like 
I don't know, like you're starting from a point that everyone understands. Because a lot of things with jokes is like, what is the context that people need in order to get your joke? And I think with white guys, you almost need zero context. You're like, oh, white guy, I I understand everything about you. I don't need I don't need anything else. Whereas like with us, it's like, oh, let me I, I, I literally I can't make a joke about being black without like first pointing out like I am black, but kind of, but not really. I mean, I, I have a whole set about that just because people need to know that. Otherwise they feel uncomfortable. Like, can I laugh at this? You know, it's like, it's like the white man is just yeah. the stand in for everyone's experience because there's been so many stories and movies and shows that it's like, oh, this is like a blank canvas. But then anytime it's not that it's like, oh God, we got to we got to hunker down here and give you the context to make you be able to connect with me. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is, too, when you're trying to pitch a show specifically that's about your culture. And you're like, OK, so it's like the Fresh Prince song. You just got to explain how you got there <laughs> and, then, and then go from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. The Fresh Prince song is like, here's a bunch of context. And then you have like the Growing Pain song and it doesn't give you any context. It's just like pictures of a family and that's it. And it's like, yeah, it's just a white family in suburbia. There they are. Like, Why is there no a where's the rich black people in L.A.? Like, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like how he got from Philly to Bel Air and the whole thing. I feel like I should make my own rap about. Yeah, we should. All make you should. That mm-hmm. would be a good bit. In Hialeah, born but then raised in Westchester. Not Westchester in New York, but Westchester in Miami. And then I. Yeah, this is brilliant. Jenny, this is the new hyphenated intro. (laughs) (laughs) I know so many people know you from your lip sync videos, which is kind of weird for me. It's it's like, um, you know, when you see a teacher outside of school and you're like, oh, my God, this teacher has this life. Like when you started coming up with the lip sync videos and I was like, wait, that's Sarah. I know Sarah from her stand up and her books and her. Well, yeah, I mean, we worked together Mm -hmm. and I was so intimidated by you. I was really intimidated by you when we first met because like you just so well, like you really share, you share your ideas so well and you have so many ideas and you're so like knowledgeable about history and like culture. And like, I was just like blown away because I'd never been in a room before and pitched ideas before. And you did it and you like nailed it. And it was just amazing. Um, Sarah, that's so, oh my God. Me and actually, me and Jenny were literally talking about this before, but how I feel um, the same about you guys and that like, I can't believe I get to be friends with these brilliant <laughs> women who really, who have skills I don't have. And um, it, it sometimes, it, it, I mean, it fills me with pride. It also fills me with self-doubt sometimes like, oh my God, am I doing like this right like should I be more like <laughs> do you remember how every week I thought I was gonna get fired Sarah is it's so crazy because Sarah Cooper is now like a name in every American home and it's crazy because she would write the most brilliant joke and script and then she'd be like hey can we talk and I'm like oh my god she's gonna tell me that like my pitch was bad and then she'd be like I think I'm gonna be fired I'm like what <laughs> Where did you get fired this for from? what? For not being good enough? 
Yes. I literally, I thought every day, I thought at the end of every day, I was just like, I'm not, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I don't deserve this job. Yeah. I was just like, they are going to fire me. And I, Joanna was the only person that I felt comfortable, like confiding that to, because she was, she was always like, shut the fuck up, bitch. You're fine. And I I was just like, okay, maybe I'm okay. (laughs) That's the way I'm a supportive friend. Shut the fuck up, bitch. You're fine. (laughs) Shut the fuck up, bitch. That should be on a shirt. That's the kind of tough love I needed. Yeah. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. Why do you why do you think we have imposter syndrome? Like every uh, us three, we've had imposter syndrome. Why? I personally feel like right now I'm feeling like we hang on to it because it's it feels safe. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I think it's something like there must be a reason why it feels good to doubt yourself and to think that maybe you're not good enough. And I think part of it is like, I could talk myself out of trying something. And if I don't try, then I can't fail, you know? And I feel like Mm -hmm. part of that just like stops you from like putting yourself out there. And I think that that is some kind of like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not actually ready to, 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 to speak at a conference. I'm not actually ready to, to take on this, you know, CBS pilot, you know, and then, and then you're like, okay, well maybe when I'm ready, I'll do it. I don't know. I just, it it kind of gives you an out, I guess. I've talked about self-sabotage and stuff like that in therapy quite often and, and just overall pessimism. And my therapist says, that's just your, your way of protecting yourself. So um, imposter syndrome is probably the biggest reason why I, don't I mean aside from my ADHD is why I don't complete things sometimes especially when it's big picture stuff like writing that pilot that's gonna get me staffed or you know doing something bigger than what I've been able to accomplish thus far so the comfort thing makes a lot of sense because it's this little blanket and it feels nice it's like you're protecting yourself from that failure that you worry Mm -hmm. about yeah, because if you have this, some that you know, if you have a voice that's like, you can do this, you know, it just, oh, mm-hmm. then I, if you tell me I can do it, that means I have to do it now. And I don't, maybe I don't want to do it because that's risky and scary. Yes. What if it doesn't work out? Like, what if, you know, the best, it's interesting how the ideas are like, I like the most are the ones where I, I never write the script or finish the sketch because, because they're, sort of crystallized as as little diamonds in my head and and it's like oh I, I didn't do it because it was, I wasn't ready to or I didn't do it because like oh it's almost there but then they never become anything so there's something that like I think I learned during the pandemic which is um letting go of perfection is so difficult and just being like this is not the best iteration of this idea. This is not the best form of this script, but it's done and it's out there and that's better than 
nothing. And and that goes for like opinions too. I mean, that's what I'm learning now. I'm like working on this um, pilot. And when I had something I worked, like learned when I worked on the special as well, is that like, I'll have a really strong opinion about something, but then I'll present it as, you know, I was thinking, you know, this, but you know, we don't have to do anything about it now, but maybe later, just keep it in mind, you know? And I'm just like, why am I doing this? Like, I mm. actually feel very strongly about this. So I'm trying very hard to get better at that because otherwise stuff comes out and is made that you, you're not happy with. And it's, it's, it's like, it, why would you spend all that time working on something that you actually care about and not make it exactly what you want it to be? You know, I, I've read a lot on the fact that imposter syndrome, especially, um, affects you know minorities people of color women specifically and i think it makes sense because it's one of those things where you're kind of not just raised to think this way but it, it happened to me in like film school you know it was me as the only head writer on our college comedy show with a bunch of white dudes and they all they would try to sabotage me and it was tough and that was just college you know so it's like it surrounds you as you grow up and and grow into your career that you're not meant to make it. There's all these like roadblocks. And so I think that's another reason why we feel like, nah, nah, this can't be. I'm not really that good. This is just luck. No, no, you know, this is an illusion. I'm not really going to make it that far. Yeah. Jenny just moved into a, an, a, a new house. And um, yeah, me and, me and Sarah just saw your cabinet open by itself. <laughs> okay, well, that's my ghost. <laughs> and I, I brought him with me from the haunted mansion when I was five, and he's been living with me ever since. Because it's real. Now the ghost will follow you home. It's the fine. ghost is like, I don't want to feel invisible in rooms. I want to be heard. I, I be just thought y'all were, were like, Eureka, Jenny just brought up a great point about imposter syndrome. But no, there's a ghost behind me. So that's, I mean, that is cooler. Okay. But I think, I think. A lot of it has to do with uh, self-sabotage and self-sabotage is, I think a lot of it comes from not seeing people like you doing things you're doing. There's something where I'm like, oh my God, am, am I am I doing this right? Or like, was I too mean? And it's like, I, you know, if I, I, I don't know, if I look like Michael Douglas and I saw that Wall Street movie, I'd be like, I can talk to people however I want if I really believe in an idea. You know what I mean? It's like examples and and sort of representations of of people like inevitably affect the way that you perceive yourself so if you're kind of like breaking the ceiling and doing something new that you perhaps haven't seen a lot of people do before it's it's just like i don't even know i can't even follow how do you do this yeah i mean and, and that's something that we have to do all the time is do something that nobody that looks like us or has had our experience has ever done and um, I take it for granted sometimes, like sometimes I'll be annoyed. I'll be like, first, you know, Asian American woman to do this first black woman to do this. And I'm like, OK, OK. But then I'm like, I have to like remind myself, no, that's actually a big deal, yeah. you know, because you don't because it's been white men over and over again for centuries. And so this is like things are feeling like they're changing and that's good. And we need to stop and be like, no, that's a big deal for you to be the first person to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it took it took a lot of. I think self-reflection, you know, and which is what we're doing all all day. But I don't think a lot of people need to self-reflect and, and dissect their identity and dissect what that means for the outside world 
so much, but I feel like it, it's inherent in a lot of people and it's inherent in us. Yeah. And in, and, and what we do, I mean, like, I was just thinking like, I don't know why I'm always doing this kind of like self-reflective stuff. Like I'm making something and then like everything that I'm talking about in the thing that I'm making is actually happening in the making of it. It's really weird. Um, like, like, it, like this example where like, um, <laughs> I, I I said the I said the N word, not the real N word, like a, a variation of the N word on stage once in a joke. And I was asked by a white guy to not say that, mm. um, which I thought was funny because it was like a white guy telling me a black woman that <laughs> by saying the N word offended him. <laughs> so or I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. But then I wanted to do I wanted to do that a similar joke for my um my JFL audition and my manager at the time was a white guy who told me that he didn't think I should do it. So I had another, like the joke was about a white guy not telling me and he told me not to tell the joke. I was just like, okay, so now I have like white men on top of white men telling me that what I can and cannot say. But is it, do you think it's like identity policing? It's like, no, 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 no. Like, like telling um, others what yeah, they can Yeah, I, I actually don't, I, I don't feel comfortable saying the N word. And, and so and I also think that other people don't feel comfortable with me saying the N-word. I, 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 I did karaoke once when I was at Google and I did a Jay-Z song. And this will definitely be a scene in my show where like, I, <laughs> I sang a song with the N-word and I just, I just went for it. And people were uncomfortable. They were, they were uncomfortable. So, and I was like, but shouldn't I be able to? But I don't think I am because I don't know. I, it's just so complicated. It's so complicated. Identity is complicated. And even in, so your identity, like beyond, um, you know, how you identify uh, in, in, in the sense of being Jamaican, being an immigrant, like you're, so you're a comedian, but you also have this background in tech, which is very mysterious to me. I still don't know what you did at Google <laughs> or Yahoo. It's like, yeah, I worked there. It's like, what did you do exactly? And you're just oh, it's, like, mm. it's so easy. When I look at what my husband does, like he has like multiple, he's like in the matrix, multiple monitors with like little characters. And he's just like, you know, breaking into NASA or something, you know, it's, but for me, I, I basically took that and made it pretty. So like the buttons you see or like the shadow on things or like, you know, the uh, pop-ups or whatever, I, I, I designed those things. So mm. it's, that's what I did. You designed pop-ups? Yeah. I mean, if you use Google Docs or Google Sheets or Google Slides, I made it look like what it looks like. That seems to me like the, the opposite of being a comedian in a lot of ways. There's a few things in common and a few things different. Like the one thing in common is empathy. Like when you're designing something, you really have to put yourself in the shoes of someone who's going to be using that application. And so you're like, where would they, what would they, if they wanted to make this letter bold, like what would they do? What are the steps that they would take and how can we make that as easy as possible? And so with, you know, writing a joke, you're like, okay, well, how do I set this up and how do I give them the best, you know, payoff? And so you're putting yourself in the mind of, of the audience. And so that's similar. The thing that's different is like with, um, with design, everything has to be perfect. You know, everything is pixel perfect, exactly in its place. And what I've noticed with acting, with comedy, I love stuff that's fucked up. I love things that aren't you. You don't. You can't make sense of it. Like it's surprising. It's interesting. It's like something you've never seen before. And so that's a tough thing for me is like to get into like performance and really like just let go and try not to be perfect. Wait, this ties into our whole discussion about identity before. Yeah. You were so concerned about being perfect that you 
sort of let go of the fucked upness or yeah. the complication of your identity. And then you became a Google Doc. Yes. A white Google Doc just ready for anyone to write stuff in. Right. But exactly. Guys, I was an English major in college. <laughs> it's finally <laughs> paid off in this one interview. I'm feeling really good about it. Let me run with it. Um, but you sort of accepting yourself and also like, you know, the TikTok you, you uploaded that blew up was just something you just recorded at home and like, and you've, you've done books, you've written iterations and you've had editors and you've had to perfect every word. And then you just put something out there that was imperfect. It was perfect in its imperfection. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that the imperfections make, make it something you want to watch over and over again, which is weird because like you can't plan that stuff and that's, what's beautiful about it. I mean, the best, you know, I, some improv is terrible, but the best <laughs> improv is magical because, it's, you know, and especially on, you know, shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm, like you can tell they're just sort of riffing and that's fun. I just love that kind of stuff. It's my favorite. It's like us riffing right now. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. Eh, Sarah, so, you know, you, you've talked about how, like, sometimes you're a little insecure or you're shy or, and now, you know, you're writing characters based on yourself. And... And that's actually feeding you comedically what you have like talked about yourself that you're trying to kind of working on. Is that part of your identity that's helping you find comedy? Um, yeah. I mean, I think the more that I embrace like my fucking crazy neuroses, the funnier things are like, um, I have to put this in something, but I went to this, like, we had like a little game night. We have like a little pod of COVID tested friends and we like hang out sometimes and we um, hung out Saturday night and I brought over a dip that I needed the host to put in the um, oven to bake for like 20 minutes. And then I brought with my dip, some chips, some special Tostitos uh, scoop chips mm. and the dip wasn't ready. But the chips were there and somebody poured out the chips and they were using my chips with someone else's dip. <laughs> it was driving me <laughs> Like being able to like observe that about yourself is like fucking gold because I'm yeah. like, that is the dumbest thing to be like petty and annoyed about. But it's such a cool character trait, you know, like that's such a like, you know, that's that's just the stuff that I just love. And like being able to observe myself like that, I just try to do it all the time. I know now to never freaking move your chips ever. I mean, it was so funny because, and it's also like, and I, I feel like maybe I'm like 
have like having a few edibles actually makes me notice those things more, mm. which I love because I love being able to notice things like that. Um, because then I can like write them down and, um, it was, I don't know when I'm high, like I just notice things so much more. You said it in the way a high person would say it. I like, <laughs> notice things so much more. <laughs> I just discovered, like I'm 43. I just started getting high like a year and a half ago. So like, it's Bless. so late. It's so late, but like, and I'm Jamaican. Like I should have been getting high, like since I was five. But I think identifying stuff about yourself that could be perceived as weaknesses and that, you know, I see a lot of people, particularly like like boomers being like, oh my God, yeah, like, I, I suffer from anxiety, but I don't tell anybody about it. Or like, yes, I had OCD, but like, shh, shh, shh no le diga a nadie. And <laughs> for, I don't know, I don't know if it's our generation or if it's our career or what, but like truly my anxiety is the fucking funniest thing about me. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that when I have anxiety, my hands, but I have an, a panic attack, my hands clench up like an Italian trying to explain you something like that is inherently the funniest thing in the world, even though it's like kind of tragic, <laughs> but <laughs> my, my imperfections are so funny. They're so they funny. Are, it reminds me of ye- yesterday I had like a phone call that was making me extremely nervous and I had to like take my stage fright medication. So I would stop shaking. Yeah, because you know how your hands clam up? Like, like, mine just shake. Like, they just shake. Uh, And I'm like, I need to control this situation. And it is. It's freaking hilarious. The um my my co-writer for this pilot, um, Cindy, she's also a people pleaser. So like when we have disagreements, it's hysterical because neither of us want to disagree with each other. So it's just these like long, like, well, I think this, but if you think that, that's okay. But I think this. It's just like <laughs> and we have to like be like, okay, just say what you mean, mean what you say, like don't worry about hurting each other's feelings, just do it. And we have to like really force ourselves. But it's hysterical. You should write a sketch of two people pleasers talking to each other and it just it just ends in like them at 97 still in the same room being like, I but like whatever you want, if you want to put a period or a comma instead of a comma, like whatever. Like that that is <laughs> there you go. Million dollar idea. I made a cartoon where I was just like, I have trouble getting off the phone unless the other person wants to get off the phone. So it's just like me on the phone until I'm like a skeleton because like I can't, I'm just going to die before I say I got to go, you know? Oh, I'm the same way. It's terrible. Yeah. The anxiety. When I call both of you guys, you literally, we just talk forever and I'm like, when is this going to end? It's because it's up to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's up to you. (laughs) Now I I know. It's like an art form, like people that just know how to walk away, especially from an in-person conversation. I, man, I have so much respect. Well, I I learned it. My mom has this really cool trick that she, when she's about, when she needs to get off the phone, she'll be like, so what do you, what do you got planned? Or like, what are you up to now? So she'll like sort of like lead and then I'll be like, well, I'm up to this. And then she'll be like, well, have fun. So she basically like walks me out of the conversation. I'm going to try to use that too. I sometimes lie because like I, I have the same <laughs> issue, but like not for, I think it's just because I like to talk. Um, <laughs> but sometimes I've had to get off the phone with my mom and I always, it's always like an emergency. Like, oh my God, the pasta's boiling. Like it's, I always end it in like a, in like a dramatic way. Or, or like, oh my god, I, I, I dropped the bags. Like, I always feel like it has to be a ridiculous excuse. Like, when it can just be like, all right, I gotta go. Like, why do I have to make this a drama? Sarah, before we, we let you go, we have, a, we have this se- segment of our podcast where we sort of talk about a specific word 
that we use um, or a word that, you know, exists in another culture that represents something crazy. Is there, you know, you, you talked about uh, you telling your parents that the way to say something is wrong, but is there any Jamaican word or word that you grew up with that like you always have to explain when you use in front of a, a bunch of Google people? Well, my mom, my mom's nickname for me was wash belly. What? Love. Yeah. <laughs> wash belly because I was the baby. And so I, it's so gross. I cleaned out her belly. So I'm the wash belly. What the hell? I would have never guessed that's what it came from. Yeah. I thought it was because she like washed your little belly. No, I washed out her belly when I was born because I was the last one. Is this just something that like a Cooper thing or is this like a- No, it's Jamaican. It's a Jamaican Oh, I love that. Wash belly. Oh my God, Sarah. Now I'm going to save your name on my phone as Wash Belly Cooper. Is that okay? (laughs) (laughs) Wash belly. What a- Oh my God. What a word. What a lovely word. Yeah, <laughs> not really. Well, have fun. I will. Thank you. you. That was really very, very well done. <laughs> Am I talking to my mom right now? Because this is... <laughs> yes, my dear wash belly. Yes. <laughs> my dear wash belly. <laughs> Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego.